0: right welcome back ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to turn zero gaming we are here talking all about marvel crisis protocol during quarantine i'm not sure how that's working out but thank god for tabletop simulator and a lot of really fun people to hang out with on the discord and the facebook groups so this week we have chris todd and our special guest justin how's everybody doing excellent
1: i've been in my house for A month straight. I have not worn pants in weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound so bad, really. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've been wearing basketball shorts. It's not like I'm just, like, free-balling it everywhere. Okay, okay, okay.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I've been in shorts. That's been really nice. Something I'm not excited about letting go of once work starts up again, but I'll survive.
2: I'm totally free-balling it right now. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh oh no
3: so yeah you didn't even but, bother to block off the glass in the front of the
0: shop did you oh boy Boom.
2: why i'm trying was to track for walking
0: across the front anyway thank god this is an audio <laughs> podcast so people can't see what you're what you're doing or not doing yeah
2: no that's all good uh no actually i saw people yesterday i had people come to the shop that was pretty cool um chris and mike came up here and we we played a couple games and we put it on stream and had some fun with that um But yeah, it's it's you know making do with what we can make do with, right? Like that's that's kind of what we got to do for the next little bit.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where every gaming community is at right now, and it's just you know you have limited options just due to the fact that there is a you know worldwide pandemic with the coronavirus. So, those of you who are listening from the future know what's going on. But I mean, like in in all reality, uh, game shops are closed. You know, we're supposed to stay away from people, you know, social distancing and all these, you know, hot keywords. But uh, it makes it really difficult to go to a shop and play. So, like we said, thank goodness there are alternatives. You know, you can play at home with family and friends, there is the uh, TTS League, there are lots of things you can do. Uh, Most of us are painting our backlogs. Thank goodness I, I have time to make my models look nice and shiny.
3: Ooh, Which I painted a, a one figure this week. What'd you Number paint? One.
0: If you say you sprayed Black Panther with black paint, I'm not. No, no, he was this. already
3: done. I did Winter Soldier this week. Okay, okay. I sprayed, sprayed him with black colors. Paint. He's a... um, I used <laughs> one brush for the whole thing. He looks all right, you know. I didn't do hey, a face because should... I don't do faces. But you know, <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do?
0: <laughs> you should post the picture on the Discord. So oh, I'll no, see. nobody
3: needs to see that.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Alright, I see how it is. So, anyways, this week we're going to have some fun, and we are going to talk all about the new characters coming from the Black Order that were revealed, as well as... Uh, Nebula and we're, we're kind of gonna glaze over Gamora we already talked about her in depth on a previous episode but this week we're gonna talk about Proxima Midnight Corvus Glaive the husband and wife combo uh, some team tactics cards and then the newly released uh, Nebula card so right up front let's talk about Proxima Midnight so her stats are uh, five health she moves long size two three threat Her defenses are three across the board, so three physical, three energy, and three mystic. She has a strike, which is pretty standard. You've got range two, five dice to zero power. After this attack is resolved, character gains power equal to damage dealt. It does have a pierce, so if you roll a wild, you have pierce. Change one of the defending character's offensive symbols, uh, or defensive symbols, I'm sorry, to a blank. You have an energy attack called Spear Throw. It's range three, five dice, zero power. After this attack is resolved, place this character within range one of the target. So you have a little bit of a warp. You can be at range three, you do the attack. And then after it's resolved, whether you deal damage or not, you get to just show up. So it's arguably a free movement. Um, A range three ruler is approximately, what is that, six inches? and then uh, you do within one inch of your target. So it, it's a nice little jump, especially um, considering that a, I believe a medium move is five inches. So it's almost like a free medium move, essentially. And then for Wild, you have Poison. After this attack is resolved, the target gains the Poison special condition, which is one of the first times we've actually seen Poison printed on a character. Then we have the next attack, Quantum Starburst. It's range four, six dice, four power. If this attack deals damage, After this attack is resolved, the character gains the bleed, poison, and stun special conditions. So this is a monster if you deal damage to your opponent in terms of sticking special afflictions on the character. Uh, Next thing we're going to go into superpowers, we have uh, the always on invulnerability. When this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So Proxima is always damage reduction online, which is really nice. Uh, Wife of Corvus Glaive, this is a reactive superpower for zero, so you don't have to pay anything. Uh, At the end of this character's activation, if it is within range four of an allied Corvus Glaive, this character may use the superpower. If the allied Corvus Glaive does not have an activated token, he may activate before your turn ends. So basically what you're going to see between Proxima and Corvus is uh, their husband and wife. So they have a superpower that basically states if they're within a specific range of each other, and the first one activates, the second one can activate uh, sequentially immediately before your opponent can do anything. So you can have, like, a Proxima-Corvus, like, one-two wombo-combo into a character. Uh, you can uh, split, you know, your activations where, like, Proxima, you know, does a thing. Maybe she double attacks and the Corvus Glaive is within range of her, so he activates and then he moves. Like, there's a lot of interesting synergy you can do, but it's the first time we've seen a player be allowed to activate two characters sequentially before the opponent has any opportunity to respond. And then the final power is another reactive superpower called Martial Prowess, costs two power. It states, when this character is targeted by an attack within range two, it may use the superpower. Instead of rolling dice equal to its defense, which is three, it rolls five defense dice. If this character suffers no damage from the attack, after the attack is resolved, the attacker suffers two damage. So something we're going to discuss here really quickly before diving into where Proxima stands in terms of like competitive viability, is uh, there was earlier during the week a discussion on Facebook asking, can you combo Marshall Prowess with Bodyguard? And the reason the, the initial thought process was uh, because Prowess has the last sentence stating. Uh, If this character suffers no damage from the attack, after the attack is resolved, the attacker suffers two damage. The question was, can you pay for prowess? Then you pay for bodyguard from, say, Captain America. And then you uh, redirect the initial attack from Proxima to Captain America. Captain America rolls his defensive dice, but because Proxima Midnight's ability says, if this character suffers no damage from the attack, then you would deal... Two free damage and uh, atomic mass games weighed in on the situation and said no Uh, the ability specifically states you have to roll defense dice and it states in the ability you roll you, you may choose to roll five instead of three and then if you suffer no damage you can deal two damage so if you reroute the attack through Captain America's bodyguard she's not rolling any sort of defensive dice any character that uses martial prowess would not be able to deal damage now uh, what, are you, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because, you know, initially it was like, you know, the rules as written versus rules as intended. It was an interesting conversation because people argued that you could uh, spend the power for both abilities and just get this free, out-of-turn, unblockable damage.
2: I mean, I, it, it's one of these classic issues we've seen in card games and other games before where the missing of a key word um, just changes the way it can be interpreted. Interpreted. Um, and in this case, the keyword is then if the keyword then was at the beginning of that last sentence, um, then if this character suffers no damage, like that would mean that you were signifying that you have to trigger the role, um, which is what they intended for it to be anyway. Um, and, and I, I think they're right. I, I think the call is right. Like there, I, I, there, there is no world in which I would have assumed that, this prowess would be able to be triggered with another character's ability when, a tar- when an attack is redirected um, because you're canceling the targeting of that ca- character and everything else that comes with that, including the actual rolling of the dice, um, which was supposed to be the trigger that caused the two damage to go off. Yeah. I think it's just
3: kind of a classic looking for exploits kind of deal. You know, we all kind of look for those synergies, but I think it's pretty clear that they shouldn't work together. So I think, you know, AMG's call was right. I was in that bo- boat anyway from the get go because it just didn't sound like something that they would miss and print. So.
1: Yeah, I, I wish they had put then there because that would just make so much more sense. You have to do the first part before you do the second part. But
2: yep, yeah, it's 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 that classic missing of a keyword in in writing the description of an ability, and then it can be interpreted different ways. Uh, but I, I'm glad they caught this before it was actually released. Um, and they also said that this is going to be one of the things that goes into the FAQ to give more clarity to it. Um, AMG also has the ability to release cards like as a special like alt card where they could correct these simple things like that and put them out with the eroded corrections. Um, kind of like when they released the Captain America and Red Skull cards with the um, uh, with the launch kits, they could actually release a new card for her that has the uh, eroded text printed on it. Be super easy.
0: Yeah. And I'm really thankful that the community brought it to light because um, although you know there were arguments for both sides about how it could be this or it could be that um, not only did amg answer the question but they're now aware of how wording a card can have an adverse effect on the game and i think that this i'm really glad i was caught early not only early in the life of the game but before the the card ever went to print because this puts AMG in a great place where they can look at things now moving forward and go does this cause some kind of Dissension because like as a developer in your mind you understand like this this card this ability does this thing When you pay power, but sometimes you're not necessarily looking at ways to like break or manipulate the game I'm not not saying the people who brought this up are like trying to like ruin the game but I'm saying like with with a small team, like, for example, AMG, say say they have, like, uh, you know, 10, 15 people versus the thousands of us who play this game. Someone, somewhere in the, the massive number of players is going to look at something and go, wait a minute, I think you can do this. And that's just an oversight. I mean, even Magic the Gathering has this problem, and they have, like, professional... R&D development and something gets through every once in a while. It's like, whoops, we done, you know, like no, you mean no like every perfect.
2: set? Not once in a while.
0: No, no. <laughs> the last major band we had was uh, Oko and then between, <laughs> hold on, hold on. The last, <laughs> the last band before that was uh, What was the Egyptian set? It was the Infinite Cats. No, no,
1: no, because they also banned um, Once Upon a
0: Time and uh, Field of the um, Dead. That was, that was from Theros. Or, no, that, not from Theros. Um, any, anyways,
2: it's not a magic podcast. <laughs> no, it's it's
0: not a magic podcast. We do play magic, but but I was going to say the I went silent
3: because I don't know what you guys are talking
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, Ma- magic the Gathering. Oh, anyways, the the point I'm trying to make is like. It's a good thing when the community has enough eyes on a game to say, hey, this seems kind of broken. And then the game company can go, oh no, that's not how that's meant to be. But then generally, moving forward from that point, they're always looking forward and going, hey, can can this interaction happen anywhere else? Which usually means a tighter game state, much better rule set, and less arguments about, hey, does this work? Does this not work? And so I'm, I'm very thankful that not only do we find a resolution, but that the community came together as a whole to, I think, make the game a lot better. Um, but... And to
2: piggyback off of that, hats off to them, man. Like on the Friday before Easter holiday, like they responded quickly and gave a clarification and stated that they were going to errata it and put it in the FAQ. Like that that's the kind of stuff that you want to see in a game, especially when you want to see it go to a competitive level. Like that's, that's good communication by them and way to stay on top of their.
0: Oh, boy. I absolutely agree. So. Now that we're done with the uh, the Marshall prowess and uh, bodyguard whole thing, let's talk about Proxima. Um, there's a lot of things going for her that I really like, but then we always fall into the question of, uh, you know, which affiliation does she belong to? You know, do you pair her with her husband character, who we're going to talk about here in a moment? You know, is she Avengers? Is she Cabal? Is she Guardians? Like, so what? What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Proxima Midnight? If if you just had this model, you know, like it's in your it's in your house right now, you're putting it together. Would you play her? Would you not play her? Where does she fit? What do you think?
1: She's solid for three. The, the issue is three cost is really crowded with really good characters. So when you're adding a three cost character, you go, is she better than Valkyrie? Is she better than Shuri? Is she better than, you know, Star Lord? There's a lot of different options you can go with. I, I like her because of spear throw. I think that's a really cool ability the poison, whatever, I mean, that's fine. It's an effect that's cool, but the ability to teleport to your target, which turns on martial prowess, is pretty sweet. So you, if you're close enough, range 3, you can spear throw, get there, strike, build up some power, get a lot of damage in there, and then martial prowess to take them out when they miss. Like, that sounds fun to me. And then quantum starburst is just brutal a little expensive though
2: um
3: i think Proxima seems pretty good um i mean i like long movers i think her defense is a little sketchy like i'm having problems with playing star lord right now at three 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 even with uh plucky attitude but uh invulnerability will help a lot with that um and Martial prowess i guess so um defense seems pretty good the the attacks are strong she's got a good mix of ranges two three four Five, five, and six on the dice is strong. I super like Pierce. I like Pierce better on energy attacks, like with Killmonger, but I'll take it wherever I can get it. And then she's just going to spray status effects everywhere, which is what I wanted to do with Star-Lord, but I can't seem to roll wilds on full auto. So um, just doing all of them when you do a point of damage seems pretty good. So she might kick off a, a wave of people playing As Guardians or something like that if uh, she starts to become a problem. Um I, I don't know what the Black Order leadership ability is yet. I don't even really want to guess on what it's going to be, but I definitely think she gets played with Corvus because that combo seems pretty broken.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think the the most underrated aspect of her is that Spear Throw. Um, it's a zero-cost range three energy attack that allows her to move within one range of her target. Um, Sugi so so went over that briefly and gave you the idea that it's it's basically a medium movement on top of her long movement. Um, the fact is it can actually be more than that, especially if she's targeting a larger base character, and she can pop up on the backside of that character. Um, so she can – that it could effectively be a long move, spear throw, and then another long move based off of that, almost like a charge. Uh, well, she- it's, well, it's –
0: yeah, the the thing about the wording on spear throw is it says after the attack is resolved, place this character within range one of the target. So you can place them on the back end of the target, not the front end. So you like like you said, you can get this really crazy movement out of Proxima because of the way spear throw is worded.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's that's the thing that I think is going to be her standout point um where she can just Pretty much she's going to pole vault straight over somebody, do a couple points of damage into a still arguably the weakest defense block energy uh, and maybe set up on a point on the backside, set up to contest um, right around them at the same time as doing damage. Like there's a lot of play in that. Um I'm that that is probably gonna be the primary attack I use with her is gonna be that spear throw oh yeah oh, it's a solid attack on top of it yeah I mean it's you ridiculous you just
3: happen to throw poison out she reminds me of those uh you know the Vrykul from wow where they throw the stupid spear at you and stop oh, yeah. the <laughs> yeah. you oh yeah that's that's kind of like what that reminds me of um
1: no I don't know that reference at all
3: oh is that is that because I didn't know your magic reference <laughs> 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 Uh, touche. Everybody plays WoW, you know.
0: That's only, not true. I hate that game.
3: Only half of people play Magic. Uh, uh, yeah. Ooh. I mean,
0: tomato
2: tomato, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh competitively, or I guess I guess here's another question. We don't know what the Black Order affiliation is. That,
1: that's but- big. Gaping hole right now in the in the knowledge base because if Black Order fits perfectly with Proxima Midnight, all of a sudden she becomes amazing. Right now she's solid.
0: So do you do you feel like she fits anywhere in the other affiliations? Like. Would you run her in, say, Wakanda or Avengers, Cabal? I mean, like, there's, there's, she seems to fit pretty comfortably in a lot of different fields. Yeah, I think she
2: could splash comfortably in, like, Guardians or Wakanda. Yeah, I think, I think she splashes actually really good in Guardians and Wakanda. I think she also fits really well in Avengers. She also has two base energy attacks. That's going to make her fit really well in Cabal um, and give them another character with solid movement. Like, she could take the Zemo spot pretty easily.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, Yeah,
3: that'd be interesting. Yeah, she's healthier. Isn't he like a four health? She's she's, five.
0: He's five, but see, he has the reroll bubble, and she has the damage reduction. And I feel like the reroll isn't as good because you always have the damage reduction, whereas the reroll is like, well, good luck. Like, it could. It could not.
3: Because, like, the invulnerability is in
2: addition to whatever defense you roll, too, which is nice. Yeah, so, I mean, effectively, just off the get-go... She's rolling four dice and one of them is always a block. Yeah, basically.
0: So, or and, you could pay 2 and she's rolling six dice and right. one of them is a block.
2: Right. Like she's she's gonna see play. And to go back to what Justin was talking about in that 3-point slot, like where you add somebody in. Like I think she's a perfect character to fit in your 10 and say you're playing on an objective that you're, you're looking more for the extractions than the secure, right? So, like, all of a sudden, Shuri, Shuri's not as much an issue when you're actually worried more about secures and you need to damage people and take tokens from them. Proxima slots really well into that spot. So she's going be- to become a really flexible character that can sub into that spot uh, really well.
0: Now, one thing to note, though, uh, Prowess only works if you're within range two. So, like, she doesn't get protected from, like, Bucky or Rocket or long-range shooters. Until
1: she spear throws them.
0: Right. Like, and teleports yeah.
2: <laughs> she just <laughs> gets right there. Poor Rocket.
0: <laughs> Rocket is...
2: Oh, boy. Sorry.
0: <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Um, Say, I but, already
1: hate her because she doesn't have a throw. All my characters have to have throws now. I love throws.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're, <laughs> it's a pretty
1: good ability. You say, oh, boy, and it uh, really brought it home because that's mainly the, the penetration point for him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like throwing stuff at him. Gets rid of that yeah, cover. Now, now, the other problem, though, is she also, look, Prowlerus doesn't trigger from throws because it's an attack. Yeah. So not not a dodge. Yep.
2: Yeah, but even there, though, no, even there, she still has effectively four dice she's rolling to defend because whenever she suffers damage from an enemy effect, she reduces it by one.
0: No, I know. I'm just saying like some some I don't want listeners to think, oh, she has just five dice all the time. Like there are stipulations where it's range two, you have to pay power and it's only defense dice. So like if you if you chuck something at her, she's going to have to roll her natural dice, which isn't a bad thing. It's just not this always-on ability where it's like, oh, defense, dodge, blah blah blah. Like it's it's stipulate. It's there's a stipulation to kind of balance her out. But um, I I like her a lot. I think she's got a lot of uh, really great tools for not only engaging, which is something we need, but uh, stabilization, which we don't have as much of. Like Panther can get in over a course of time. But he's also not gonna deal a lot of damage, and Proxima can not only get in, but she can deal damage and she can sustain the damage and just be like, oh, hey, I've got a vulnerability. Once I'm in your face, I've got prowess. If I, you know, happen to not have power, I'm still you know okay. If I have power, I can potentially counter you and deal damage to you, which makes it really scary if your character is you know at two or less health. You're like, do I? want to attack Proxima you know if, if I'm not rolling a lot of dice like this could be kind of scary like if you have a if you have a melee character and they only deal like you know three to four dice in an attack do you want to sh- you know take a shot at Proxima and maybe maybe not who knows you have to figure that out it's kind of kind of risky
2: I, I, I that's that's part of the thing that I love about her is she's gonna make you have to make hard decisions a- and make them when you don't want to make them. Like that. That's part of the reason why I like her so much, and I think she's going to be a really solid Splash character wherever you want to put her.
1: Do we want to touch on this husband-wife duo ability?
2: I think that that looks gross. Yeah,
1: that that whole, like, you know what? I know you hated me taking this turn with Proxima Midnight, but hold on, I'm not done. I'm going to take another turn with Corvus Glaive, and you're going to really hate your life.
2: Well, why, why don't you tell everybody what he does as well so we can, like, actually put these two together correctly?
1: Sure. So Corvus Glaive is a 6-health, um, medium-movement, size 2, 4-threat character. So, you know, pretty standard there. I think he – we were talking about this before the show. I don't know for sure, but I think he's on a medium-sized base. So that medium move on medium base pretty fast. He's a, uh,
3: he's on a 50, it looked like, which is
2: uh... – the medium Hulk. size, isn't it? I think uh, that's the medium. Hulk is a sixty-five mil base. That's uh, sixty-five. Okay. Yeah, fi- yeah.
0: Fi- fifty is Hella, which is medium. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure Proxima is on the what is it? Twenty-eight mil, the small, the small oh, 30 one. Mil. standard. Yeah. yeah. Thirty mil, thirty mil. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: he's he's pretty fast.
0: Um, yeah. The the um, the standard size base. We actually we're doing a bunch of measurements because I I just hate non-inch related movements. I'm so used to Warhammer, like I want to know inches. So um, a small base, I believe we measured to be one point four four inches a medium base is two inches and a hook size based is what is it 2.4 2.6 or
1: something like?
0: I, can't remember. 2, I didn't care yeah well so what's <laughs> what's interesting is a, a medium move is like the tool itself is five inches so like you can start you, you start to create this really small battlefield because like you know you set up at range three which is six inches on both sides so that, you know up to up to three. So if both players put their characters at the maximum distance that's you know uh, 36 inches minus 12 and then you have a five inch move and so you reduce that and then you have a two inch uh, base and reduce that. So like it's interesting because these stats make it interesting so that a medium move on a medium base, is a lot farther than a medium move on a small base. Now it's it's not like inches and inches and inches, but the thing is, after two movements or three movements, that's almost you know a free small move. Like it adds up fairly quickly by round three like it, it does matter even though it might not be super significant
1: todd only understands increments of movement in the range five uh indicator when he <laughs> gamma launches you know
0: what
2: like i don't need any other measurement. like you guys worry about quarter inches oh, and stuff boy. like that i'm going straight down the line
0: <laughs> he's, he's going <laughs> five in all the way five range five
2: no but i mean this this dude is legit
0: I, I
1: i got i stopped at the first line of his stats let me go through the rest yeah i mean yeah I, I mean like his value fluctuates so like you know he's four threat but his defense is three physical three energy three mystic so that's already pretty poor because that's the same thing that proxima has and he's a four threat she's a three threat His attacks, he has basic strike, um, very similar to Proxima. It's um, two range, five strength, uh, physical. After this attack, is resolved, gain energy based on the damage dealt, and on a wild, you pierce. So pretty standard, although with a pierce, it becomes solid. Then he has an atom splitter attack, which is similar to a Correia spear strike thing. It's four range, four or four power energy attack, um, zero cost. And after it resolves, you just gain a power. So there's no, like, per damage or anything like that. It's just one power generated. And finally, there's Death Blow, which is a three range, seven strength physical attack. It costs four power to use. After the attack is resolved, the character may advance medium. And it also has the special for flurry, where you get an extra strike on top of it, kind of like Valkyrie. Um, his superpowers are Glaive's Edge, which is a three-cost power. During the next strike or deathblow attack this turn, the character adds blanks in its attack roll to its total successes. Then he has the husband of Proxima Midnight, which is the mirror of wife of uh, Corvus Glaive, where if he's within four um, of an ally Proxima Midnight, character may use a superpower. After the prox- after the ally Proxima Midnight does not have an activated token, she may activate before your turn ends. Um, Glaive of Immortality, uh, which is um, whenever this character would suffer damage to an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So just like Proxima. And then finally, he is the Gem Bearer for Reality and Time. So you got those. We know what time does. I don't think we know what reality does yet. Is that right?
2: Uh, I'm not sure what reality does. No,
3: yeah. Time yeah. is the short movement for time, two, right?
1: Time is the extra action. So you oh, have right. for the extra action. Yeah.
3: I can't keep him straight, man. Yeah. Jesus
2: Christ. So,
1: so he, he's, he's got some toolkit stuff there, but for cost for that defense and that level of, I guess, threat is I'm not in love with it.
2: I don't know, man. Like if you if you pair that with the the actual ability to stack three actions on him and then activate Proxima and do her two actions. Like, you're stacking five actions to their next two.
3: Yeah, and yeah, she has his... that Chain Drag, and he has that Death Blow Advance. I mean, they're going to be all in your business. Also, you're setting yourself
0: up to have priority. Did death
1: Blow costs four? And, like, Glaive's Edge costs three. The Time Gem costs power to use that ability. So you're looking at a lot of power. I and that's, like, an eight power turn there. I, I'm, probably right, not, I'm probably time not. Time costs two, right?
2: Time costs two. but what? I, so he's going to start with two if he's got the gem. So he's got that covered. I'm probably not spending... A lot of money for. I'm I'm probably not spending the power for death blow unless I know I'm killing somebody with it. So, like, I'm probably, if I'm using power on him, I'm probably using uh, it either for the glaive's edge or his time stone. And I'm going to take the base attacks or the attacks that give me the move. Uh, Well, that's only the death blow. Yeah. But he's got Pierce on that base attack too, which is pretty handy.
1: I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying for a 4 cost character, I want something with a little more punch.
2: And he is not as good as Proxima, but those two together, <laughs> those two together chanting five actions is pretty Oh gross. boy. So, 17 points, Hulk, Thor, Proxima,
3: Corvus. Todd, would you play it? No.
0: Oh, okay. okay so, so it's, it's- not oh, boy. stupid. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The qualifier for a dumb list is whether or not you play it. So uh, there's there's no affiliation there. Why would I play that? Like I don't get a discount. I got to wait two turns to use Thor's charge. You just, you go and beat everybody. Oh boy, problem. There's no, you can't beat. Oh boy, if you can't get the power to do it off the get. All right, so just replace Corvus with Cap.
3: Would you would you would you splash Proxima into a 17 point list with a, a, a Avengers?
2: Wait a second. Hang on. We might be able to make this work.
0: Oh no. Uh oh. It's, it's a t shirt. How many how we'll many points is it. that?
2: 17 points. Yeah. That's not 17 points, man. You've got 7 yeah, Hulk plus is 11. That's 18. No, 7 Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not playing that at 17 points. That was a points. test and he passed. Good job. could basic math. <laughs> Look at that everybody. Nobody thought
3: it would happen. Nobody thought he could. But he can. We just proved it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey Chris, yeah, you can suck it. D- oh boy! <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we successfully did math and threw out insults. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, no, but all
2: right. So here's a question though: What's the list that you split? That that's actually not a bad question, Chris. Even though your your whole premise was wrong. What? <laughs> What's the list you splash those two into?
1: You wait for Black Order and find out what that ability does.
2: I don't want to. No, no, because we're gonna have them before we have the Black Order. So we, where where do you put them? Do you put where them? Do as you put a, seven points. Yeah, where do you put seven points and feel like that's effective?
0: I mean, you have to put them in a list where they're not going to be the chunk of the like. You have to put three more characters in to get an affiliation. So yep. you could do you could do Guardians. You could do Star Lord, Rocket. Uh, is Nebula Guardians? Yeah, yes. yeah. You can do that. That's what is that? That's uh, three, four, five, six, seven. Plus seven is fourteen. So you would get a gem there too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pow- power gem, or assuming the reality gem is one, you could do that.
0: Probably power gem, so you can R and D it to Corvus. Because the problem with Corvus is he's real power hungry, and you don't have a battery in the list. So you uh, well, could turn no,
2: you got a battery if you go to the power gym, because Star Lord's getting three a turn.
0: No, well that that's what I'm saying is you could use Star Lord as the battery to help feed Corvus early game until he gets up close and personal and starts doing strikes and and or death blows. Because if you if you land a death blow and you get the wild, you get a strike. So for four power, you could get two attacks. And then if you get, you know, more power, you could in theory do it again, or just do the strike. For zero power, so uh, there's there's means to get Corvus the tools he needs, or like you said, you could just put a gem on him and he just starts with two power every round. I mean, there's options in there, but like right now, the cheapest list to throw them into is Guardians, just because they're so low in point cost.
1: Yeah, I don't
0: love it. I don't either. <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> I'm I
0: don't love it. I'm just answering the question: Where do you put them? Like Guardians?
1: I like. I like Corvus in a cabal list and I like Proxima. She works in I she works really in any affiliation. She's solid. But
2: I don't know, oh man. man. I think that's kinda gross. That's a five character list at fifteen points. With a gym. Yeah, that that's kinda gross. Like if you Uh-oh. if you,
0: Oh, no. Did we did we find a list Todd would play?
2: I mean, like, if you're looking for an activation list that's actually got some punch in it and can, like, hit your opponent square in the... Oh, boy! D- that one's gonna do it.
1: you <laughs> 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 be able to do four die attacks every round. Yeah, I guess that's true.
3: I mean, also, I'm, you I'm have thinking activation thinking in Cabal, because I like that both of their basics have Pierce that would help yeah. you get the hit to generate the Cabal power, which is what we were talking about yesterday, Todd.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, like, you gotta roll it. Like, it's a so, one in eight. So like, Spicy. yeah, it's it's a one and eight on their their base attacks, right? So like, yeah,
3: I mean they're both physical, which is the other issue. But I mean having Pierce helps. I mean you could do Red Skull and Zemo and.
1: Here's a thought: Corpus is a kind of an interesting target for Doom Prophecy because Glaive of Immortality means that he's blocking one every time you attack, him, regardless of whether he rolls or not.
2: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's great. I'm just Saying like that means his base attack eight dice with Pierce, Death Blow becomes a ten die attack with a flurry on there. Like I don't know, it's yeah, something.
2: I, it, it's something. I mean, he's gonna he's still gonna have one defense. Well, I mean, for that matter, like Proxima is the same way, right? With uh, with her invulnerability. Yeah. So. I was more
1: thinking because I mean, you'd have to have a lot of power to do this because you'd have two power for the. Doom Prophecy. Yeah. Three power for Glaive's Edge, and then you Death Blow and Strike and then hopefully get a flurry and strike. Yeah, you're talking a lot of power for that, but that is a get wrecked turn for whoever you're targeting. <laughs> that's a that's
0: a chunky boy move yeah, right there. That's, yeah, that's, that's just the, uh, the
3: idea of Doom Prophecy is a card you can play on somebody with uh invulnerability is, is it, an interesting idea. That's actually probably like I, I'm
2: not sure how we missed that with Iron Man. Well, he's only got the I mean the homing rockets.
1: Like, is attacks, Iron Man's all energy except for his rockets.
2: Well, that's true, but I mean he's got rockets and they ignore line of sight. They're only yeah. two power, right? And it's only two power exactly. Like bad. that's a that's a rocket killer. Yeah, just shooting rockets all over the place. I could I
3: could be No, no it's
2: the raccoon. I'm talking just the raccoon.
0: Oh, just killer. to kill the yeah, raccoon, he, he still gets cover against it. Whatever. Wait, but- wait. Do the rockets ignore cover? They Rock,
2: line of sight. Rockets ignore line of sight.
0: Okay, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't ignore his ability. So, but I, I it actually says
1: because I pulled up the card. It says this attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. Oh, okay. Well,
3: so we have that conversation too because Rockets' card says he always benefits from cover. Yeah, I and- think
0: that they said that the cancellation trumps the yeah always. I think in the rule book cannot supersedes can for that very reason. I, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm almost positive in the rulebook it does say. Because, like, in Magic, that's the same thing as cannot over overrides can.
1: So, one, they've changed the wording. So, like, Glaive of Immortality and Invulnerability, it's like, when this character would suffer damage from enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. Iron Man reads, when this character would suffer damage, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of
0: one. Oh, so it's any damage. Yeah. Ooh.
1: So uh, just something to kind of keep in mind, like Proxima and Corvus are only from enemy effects.
0: So if there's a Gamma Shelter that does two damage, Iron Man would reduce it by one, but Corvus and Proxima would take the damage because it's not enemy effect; it's a game effect. Interesting. Yeah. Just a minor little thing. Spicy there, yeah. Spicy, spicy. I, mean, I wonder if they're going to you that
1: spice. It's not real spicy. It's
0: Iron Man's uh, Iron Man's S tier now, God tier, OP. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we figured it out. Todd Doom will play Prophecy. him.
2: We got it. He's good.
0: So, Doom Prophecy is terrible on Iron Man because it's only his
1: homing rockets in <laughs> bonus.
2: That's all right. We give him the uh, power gym. He's Although, fine.
1: Although he does have four physical defense, so you're that's looking at saying. a nine-die homing rockets attack.
0: For two. That ignores line of sight. And cover. Boy, that, boy rockets going to get overkill, don't you think? <laughs> Isn't that a range five, too? It is ready yeah. to hive yeah. Uh oh! That'd be funny
3: to turn him into just a rocket spammer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How much power does it cost for the attack?
1: Two. two for the attack. Two for Doom Prophecy. So you're looking oh, at man. four power. My four. God! Yeah. If you Friday
0: AI, oh, no, geez. stop it. Uh oh. Uh oh. That,
1: that's energy to to do. We're, we're making but,
0: more T-shirts here. You got to stop. are we're, we're running out of T-shirt space.
1: That would be an 11 die homing rocket attack. We're from the AI, though.
0: That's a lot of dice.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> think, I think I got a new list. Oh, no. Cor- Is it Corvus Glaive, Proxima Midnight, Iron Man, and <laughs> uh, Venom? And probably Cap. Cap's Cap, got to be yeah. in there. Sure. Why not?
3: So you just need another three point Avenger, and you got a 17 point list. All uh, right. Woo-woo. Winter Soldier. There you go. I'm done. Sit 17 points Avengers oh. affiliation. Done. Gross.
1: So I, I feel I like I apologize. I misremembered Doom Prophecy. It is three costs, not two costs.
2: Oh, it's oh, ruined. Oh. Now all <sighs> it's all over.
0: nope, the dream is dead. Well, it was fun talking about that while it lasted. <laughs> so so here's here's the question I want to pose to you guys before we move on, uh, for the sake of time. Corvus and Proxima have a similar design, like Rocket and Groot. They were intended to be played together, but as we've kind of been experimenting with Rocket and Groot, eh, people are discovering or choosing to select one over the other. Like we're seeing more Rocket or Groot versus Rocket and Groot. Do you feel that the same thing will happen to Proxima and Corvus? Um, I feel like the, I think they have a lot more synergy than Rocket and Groot because. Uh, range 4 to activate is a gigantic bubble versus uh, Rocket and group being within a specific range of each other, and if someone moves out of that range, you don't get the bodyguard, whereas range 4 is going to be very difficult to not be in for any given point in time. Maybe unless Proxima like long moves, spear jumps, and then teleports, Corvus probably won't be in range, but uh, you're probably going to do Corvus first because he's the slower of the two and then Proxima so she gets that super jump. But um, thoughts on their synergy and playability together as a team?
3: Yeah, I think you kind of answered your own question there. The four range makes it a lot better than Rocket and Groot. And and the thing, too, is that you don't have to use them both to activate on the same target. Like Corvus could be off doing his own thing on a different point almost and still get to activate and fight whoever he's fighting after Proxima fights whoever she's fighting. So the fact that they can spread out so far means they have a lot more utility than Rocket and Groot, in my opinion.
1: That is a good point, because I always think about, like, f- focus fire taking down one target with both of them, but you could really hammer two people at once with the two characters, because they're not tied at all. The only requirement is they be within four of each other, and the other character not have activated yet.
3: Yeah, I mean, I still think it's it's probably a good idea to try to get the same person especially when you're action cheating essentially and you get to take that person out of the turn but you know if if they're not lined up that way and they both have a target they can just sit there and fight their own guy which doesn't seem too bad to me
2: i mean i think the other part of that too is proxima's attacks do happen at range like i i would argue that her most valuable attacks happen at range um which allows her to actually target and move uh and possibly put her in range of Corvus, which is gross. Um, like there's some there's some really dumb stuff you're gonna be able to do with Proxima. Uh, yeah, she t- can almost cross the board back
3: to him by attacking a target that's near him.
2: Yeah, and, and to Sugi's point, I think I think Proxima is definitely gonna see more play than Corvus. Uh, I, I think you will see Proxima splashed into lists um, without him. Um, and I know that's probably the first thing I'm going to do. Uh, but I also at the same time want to see if there's a way to break the idea of chaining five action. That feels gross. Like that, that feels almost gamma launch gross, um, where you get to make that ginormous move and then follow it up with two more activations off of that character. Yeah, there's a lot of play there. It it really needs to be put on the board and tested. To be honest,
1: I mean, be the change you want to see in the world.
2: I'm trying, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying.
3: Please don't apply Gandhi quotes to Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're talking like uh, civilization, Gandhi that nukes everyone.
1: Well, I mean, that's sort of the implied uh, Todd version of Gandhi. Yeah,
0: makes sense though. (laughs) <laughs> so moving moving forward, let's talk about med pack. This is a team tactic card that was also spoiled and it's a Unaffiliated active card during a character's activation. It may spend two power to play this card Remove up to three damage from this character or an allied character without a day's token within range three of this character What are you guys thoughts on this card? Holy Oh f- boy Super good.
1: It's solid. I mean, it's not, like, jaw-dropping amazing. It's pretty <laughs> good,
3: oh, It's <laughs> good. <laughs> it is. I, my question is, how much average health is patch-up healing? Is it average healing, four to five? Because if not, I could see replacing patch-up with med-pack if you had to choose one.
1: The reason I love med-pack is because you can use it on a person who has the damage on him or her.
3: Right. That's Instead the other thing, too. And that's to, why... Yeah. I think it could replace patchup if you had only spot for one healing card because the character who needs the healing could use it on the Actually,
1: own. you know what? It's not it's not solid. It's amazing because it is within range three and that is all the difference. Jeez, but did you it only read half of the
2: card? Oh my god. This thing is no, awesome.
1: No, I, it, I Like, I'm trying to be the counterpoint here, and I, you guys are right. It's awesome. It's really. <laughs> <bizarre>. <laughs> so also, that, that was my next. Oh, go ahead. Doubly awesome that it has Hawkeye on the card. You don't see a whole lot of Hawkeye love these days, and oh, that's My good. boy, my boy, my boy, my Archer is on there. Are you,
0: are you ready for him to get released sometime in uh, September, October? Now,
1: I'm. I I, I hope he's cool. I hope he's a fun three-cost character that can apply debuffs and do cool stuff. Well, in the meantime, you get
2: to play with his med pack that's going to be in your eight-card team tactics list every game you play from here out because that's where it'll be.
1: I do need to um, retire uh, Patch Up for a little while because it has been in rotation literally since I bought the game. I don't think I've ever run a list without it. I need to spice things up a little bit, put something else in there.
2: I I mean, I... yeah, I, I agree. I think a two for three um, to me is more valuable than the option of running up to a five heal um, because I always find myself in a situation where I'm like, all right, I can spend all this power to heal this character back to full and get the full value of this card and not do anything else with this character or only base attack and move. Or now I can put this other character out of death range and, and still have the ability to do other things with this character. Well, and the character that needs the med pack, this is one of my
3: issues with patch-up. The character that needs the healing often has the power to play it, but they can't play it on themselves, which also makes med pack super good, because that character has a a surplus of power anyway. And then you're only taking two off them to heal three, which we already know is above the curve because we were comparing everything to patch-up. So uh, it's super, super good. Yeah, it's in in my eight.
0: would you run both of these cards for a super Healy list? Like you could run med pack. We are Groot and uh, field medic so that you just have field a dressing. ton of healing. You could, you could even run field dressing and then brace. So that way you can stop the super throws from Thor and then just heal, 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 heal.
2: So like, you know, we were talking like, we'll talk about this list that we've been talking about privately here in a little bit. But like, I think those wide activation lists benefit more from the healing cards than some of these tankier lists, like the BDT and stuff. Um, So so I can see if you're trying to run wide activations, taking more heal cards uh, and, and this slots perfectly into that.
0: All right. Moving forward. Let's take a look at the Daughters of Thanos. It's an unaffiliated reactive card that states when either an allied Gamora or an allied Nebula makes an attack action. After the attack is resolved, both characters may spend two power each to play this card. So it's a four power cost. The character, Gamora or Nebula, that did not make the initial attack may make an attack targeting the same character. So uh, you, you have to be attacking the same character. You have to have two power each. The opposite character gets to make the attack, so uh, I don't know how to feel about this because it's it's very restrictive. It gets into the action sheeting kind of list where you know you could have Nebula and Gamora and then Corvus and Proxima and you know you have all these out of activation attacks where it's like you know uh, Gamora attacks, you play Daughters of Thanos, Nebula gets an attack, and then you do the uh, husband and wife wombo combo. Is it, is it good? Is it playable? Is it just, you know, going into your trade binder? Like, what are your thoughts on this card? Seems pretty cruddy.
3: Four power for an attack. And then if you want to spend any power for the attack, you're, you're paying, you know, another two to four potentially um, for a single attack. I don't know. May, maybe if you're going for like a, a high value target, like you're trying to finish off a Hulk or a Thor or something like that. But other than that.
1: Well, I would never use it where I get a free Nebula attack because Nebula's attack, like we'll go over Nebula here in a minute, but Nebula's attacks are not amazing. I mean, she's only two cost character and her attacks kind of reflect that. So you are always going to target Gamora with that. So she's got punch, but I don't know if it's worth four power and then whatever extra power you have to spend on the attacks you have to have both characters, like, within range normally two of the target because of the melee base of the characters. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of, a lot of moving parts that you have to get just right. And then what am I taking out of my eight to put that in, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I'm sure that Todd can come up with some list where he, like, BDT's Modoc in there and then have the Daughters of Thanos come in from the flank. But
3: I just don't I, think it would be that impactful anyway. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: like it's like, like
1: that. <laughs> you deal like three damage and the guy's like, cool.
3: Yeah, the attacks that I'm you would end attack. up using are pretty bad uh,
2: for four power. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, so here's the one thing about uh, Nebula yeah. both, both of her, her energy attacks are range three. Um, so they don't have to be that close. Like this one doesn't have a range gauge on it for the characters to be able to use it. Um, however, it, you, you, you were right about what you said with her. Like, I think you're using this on Gamora more than you're using this on Nebula, on Nebula for the extra attack. Um, it, it, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't think I can dig a... I I don't think I can make this one playable for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're you're paying four
3: to do like a a four or five die basic.
1: Four is a little misleading. You're paying two on each character.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: But you're paying four.
2: And and here's the other thing. I don't want to pay four energy for anything like on Gamora because they're all physical attacks, and that's probably the most stout defense in the game. Um, So, like, if you told me I could pay two off of her to do a free base attack – Unless the character she's going at is at one health, um, it just doesn't feel that good.
1: Now, I will say the shock so like I I said, let's just stop what we're doing and go over Nebula because we're talking about and referencing a lot of card stuff with her. (laughs) We might as well just explain what we're talking about. (laughs) Sure,
2: Chris, you want to read Nebula?
0: Yeah, I was about to say, Chris, Chris could read a card.
3: Yeah, I like reading. Reading is fundamental. Uh, <laughs> uh nebula is a four health long mover uh, size two she's two threat so she's the second two threat character in guardians which is pretty interesting um she has three physical three energy and two mystic defense uh her basic attack is a strike range two uh four dice zero power it's her power generator she gets a uh, power equal to damage dealt if she has a wild she shocks I can't remember what shock does off the top of my head. Uh, One less offensive die. That's right. One less offensive die, Um, which is kind of neat. Blaster pistol, uh, energy, three range, four dice, zero power. After it's resolved, she gains power. Uh, It's that Koye energy spear.
2: But range three.
3: But range three, which is nice. Um, and then Shock Sword Assault. This is also range three, six dice for three power. After this attack is resolved, place this character within one of the target. And if you get a wild, you get stunned. Um, she is an assassin which is kind of a unique superpower in that she cannot contest, interact with, or hold objective tokens. Additionally, she can reroll any number of her attack dice when attacking a character that is holding or contesting an objective token. So she's never going to be a two-pointer. You just sit on a point because she can't get any credit for it. She's going to go beat up the other two-point characters sitting on objectives so they can get points. Um, She also has cybernetic enhancements. She can re-roll one die in her defense rolls. Additionally, at the start of uh, her activation, you can remove one wound from her. Um, She also has immunity to bleed, poison, and stun. Um, Worth mentioning also is that on her dazed side, she gets an additional health. So she goes up to five when she flips.
1: So reading all of that, having the ability to re-roll all your attack dice and you could daughter of thanos with the shock sword assault to get up there stun them you know you're talking six energy dice from range three it's pretty good that's a five power buy-in from nebula though so that's pretty costly i don't know that card's still trash but (laughs) i to make it work and
3: Uh, i think i think nebula has some interesting play potential um against wider lists that want to control objectives instead of fight because uh, they're usually using characters that aren't as tanky and a front line-y to hold those back objectives. So she could potentially kind of get around and maybe take them out. Um, I don't know what you guys think about her. I know a lot of people are, are really put off by her inability to do anything with objectives. And I get that. Um,
2: yeah, so here here's the thing with Nebula. When you see Nebula across the board from her, you're like, I don't have to deal with that. Oh boy! Like I ain't got to mess with her because she can't score points and she can't do anything. But that's kind of the trick with her because what's going to end up happening is while she can't interact with tokens, she can mess up your game the entire time, and oh, she's yeah. she only a tee off on any match. of those. <laughs> She's only a two-point investment to go out there and just mess with your opponent's game the entire time. And that doesn't sound like so much when you when you talk about it, but I think in play, she's going to have a lot more interaction on the board.
0: Yeah, I feel like Nebula is one of those characters where you look at her, and because the game is so heavily built around objectives, we're kind of used to, you know, gauging a character's validity by, can you do things with objectives? And she can't, and so it's easy to be like, okay, well, she, she's just not playable. But it's a very uh, disingenuous thing because, it, like, look look at the stats on this character. Two-point two threat. You could slaughter in very easily. Long-range movement. Great. We all like long-range movement. Four health on the front, five health on the back. Nine health. She has humanoid defensive stats. No big deal. She has three different attacks, which you know, two of them are free. They're at range two and range three, so she's got some distance. Uh, Shock Sword isn't super expensive and it just gives her a free jump, which is really nice. Um, being able to reroll any of your attack dice with the stipulation, of course, against a character holding or contesting an objective token. Uh, that is a gross consistency level. Like you're getting free rerolls just for playing the game as long as you utilize her properly. But that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna wait for someone to pick up a, a hammer or pick up a, a spider-infected token or you know, sit on a point, and then you run up and you're gonna be like, all right, here's a strike, and then I shock you. So, you know, and, and the best part is, you can re-roll your dice even if they have a hit showing, if you're sh- shooting for shock. So say, you know, roll your four strike dice, and it's like, you know, blank, blank, shield, or you, know, you, you have a hit and you're like, okay, I, I need to I need to shock them so they roll less attack dice. You know, you're know, you trying to target a Thor or whatever, Hulk, who knows. You can choose to reroll a hit to try and get the wild on deck, which I think is really neat because it could have said, you know, you can only reroll blanks or missed dice. No, you could just roll whatever you want. Um, she also heals herself, which I think is a very, very spicy ability. We We haven't seen that on anyone yet and basically if you don't daze her instantly she's just gonna remove damage so you know she goes from three damage to two damage and then if you have you know a means to heal the rest of it off of her you know you can um i like her a lot i like the fact that you can just throw a long range melee centric character into your list and she's not there to capture points she's there to get in your opponent's face and make them go, ugh, because re- re-rolling <laughs> wait, 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 these... Make them go, what? Make them go, ugh. You, you, know, you know where she goes?
2: <laughs> you guys are going to hate this. She goes well, into the... No, on avengers She goes into the BDT 17-point list.
0: Absolutely she does. That's I was just going to say...
2: That's a gross character in the 17-point BDT, BDT Yeah, list. you just
0: th- you throw her in, and she goes and punches people over and over and over, and you're like, do I attack Nebula? And then Thor shows up and throws you into a brick wall? Like, and you have to. like The fact that you have to
2: deal with her because she's going to be in your face and softening you up for, say, Thor, Hulk, and Cap, right? So the fact that you have to deal with her makes her – makes your opponent waste actions to get her out of the way, which is all you're really trying to do in the BDT list. You're trying to make other characters waste actions while you beat down their threat. She fits that mold perfectly. Yeah, I was going to say, she's one of those classic
3: uh, make-you-make-poor-choices characters that you like to play. Yes. Like, do I – I need to waste – Actions to deal with this 2 threat character. And I can't go just try to spike down Thor or cap or something like that. That's that's super. Because
0: the problem is if you if you ignore her and you're like I, I'm gonna you know attack Thor at Hulk. Okay, cool. She's just gonna run at me like beep 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 beep. And then if you're like, well, I guess I attack her once and don't kill her. Then she heals herself. And you're like, uh, like why? And it's 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 perfect. Like her downside with assassin. I think makes her a really, really nice flex melee two point character because she she's like the opposite of Rocket. Rocket's the long distance shooter. She's the you know in your face beater. She's like they're filling in the, the gaps for the two pointers because it's like uh, Widow is grab and run, Rocket is you know shoot, Nebula is punch him in the face, Akuai is mid range uh, support. She's she's a damage sponge. And it's not only cool that they've had multiple two-point characters doing different things, but they all kind of exist in their own different roster that they do well in. I think that's great. So it's not just like, oh, I guess all the two-pointers only belong in this list over here.
2: Yeah, I I, like, I really like this character. I like this character mainly because I was looking for a filler spot to go with BDT to 17 points. Um, Because I like four character activations at 17 but I didn't feel like there was a solid fill-in. Okoye was the closest thing I had, but she makes the cut in no other list except for that 17-point spot. And I think Gamora, or I'm sorry, I think Nebula can fill a spot in the 17-point BDT list and fill spots in other lists going forward as well. Yeah, if I have to make a choice on
3: a two-point and I know that I'm going to be on an objective uh, or a... uh, a crisis that requires people to stand on objectives or, you know, incentivize high-value characters to pick up some some bigger objectives, like hammers specifically, like, that's an easy call for a two-pointer because she's going to go punch above her weight, which is the big thing. Exactly. And,
0: and she gets to re-roll her defense and heal. I mean, like, could, and it, it's free. There's all of her powers are always on, and they don't cost any anything. So the moment she makes power from an attack, it just gets synced into... Uh, shock sword or tactics cards?
2: Yeah, and and this is the first character that we've actually seen that I feel like is custom made for the cabal. Like this is a cabal character through and through.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I want to play her in because Gu- she's in Guardians, right? Yeah is is that it? Yeah, yeah that's, that's her so really. Yeah, I I looked at her and I was like, man, she just screams cabal. Because I mean, imagine just you know doing shock sword every turn. That's kind of gross.
2: Yep. That's the cool thing, man. Like their design space that they've worked in feels really strong and very thematic from the comics, right? Like it feels like they've drawn these characters from the comics and brought them into this game and applied the ideas that you would expect to see to them in a way that it works in the game. But it's also really interesting to see how they can actually interact with other factions. Like that is it's really good. I'm really impressed.
0: Yeah, I'm very thankful that Nebula and Gamora is a very viable two pack. You you 100% won't, like, I feel like some packs, you, you kind of get like a half character. Like, I'm thinking about Proxima and Corvus. Like, Proxima is out of the gate playable. Like, you can throw her anywhere and she's gonna do great. Corvus is like, he's gonna probably be okay in like some, but not all lists. And then when I think about Nebula and Gamora, it's like, both of these models can fit into a lot of different teams, both together or separate. And it, like, you know, Okoye and Shuri is another example. It's like, that's a good pack to buy. Uh, Nebula and Gamora feel like a really good pack to buy. Like, if, if you're listening and you're like, I don't want to buy everything, I just want to, you know, try and get the packs to give me the best bang for your buck. I'm fairly confident Nebula and Gamora is going to see a lot of sales.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it'll arguably be the best pack that's come out since the Thor pack. Probably. I can, Probably. See, that. I, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Just from to include,
1: the Thor pack is good because Thor is in it. It's <laughs> just <laughs> just kind of a cool piece tacked on. I
0: don't yeah, buy buy even know if is in that
2: pack, but it's got get
0: Thor. Get a free Valkyrie. <laughs> that, that's the AMG guarantee. <laughs> buy a Thor, get a free Valkyrie. Feels that's, good.
2: That's what it was. They could have told me that pack was $70. I would have bought it. <laughs>
3: Call,
1: call, call, call the call, 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 call. Ready, captain I' am ready to take calls from the public okay, okay cool
2: all right so podcast question time uh Kenny G21 my sm- favorite smooth jazz player uh, <laughs> has put her birth question in in the upcoming releases we have two characters with a new abilities uh martial prowess how would y'all rate martial prowess as an ability seems pretty good i I think
3: we've all been talking about how we think it'll be pretty impactful taking no damage might be rough we'll
2: have to see but uh, i think it has potential to be super good uh i think it is super good i think that it also um in the right affiliation obviously i'm looking at avengers right now myself uh that for one with the ability for your opponent to also just roll bad and take damage um, seems good. Um, and the option to actually give you more dice to roll defensively as well. Also seems good. Like there's, there's really no downside to it that I can see. Yeah. It and makes
1: the two damage different. is really kind of like, that's a lot to just take out of nowhere.
2: And, and like, like, Chris was saying, like, I want to have to make people make hard decisions and and like game changing points. The idea that you might have to attack one of those characters when you're sitting at only two health left and maybe whiff and daze your own character out of turn for me seems really awesome to have to make you make that decision. This ability, actually, when I think about
3: it, could be one of those mechanics they add to a game that makes people want to (laughs) quit. Because let's say you're having a bad dice night like Mike was last night, Todd. And on on top (laughs) of rolling like hot garbage all night, I also, every other attack say, oh, you take two because you roll. Oh boy! So (laughs) not only are you rolling bad, you're also taking damage for rolling bad. So you're getting extra punished. Like that feels
1: off but you gotta you gotta dig the knife in a little bit it's like oh, oh excuse me mike did you remember to take the two extra damage because you whiffed
3: yeah, so bad <laughs> yeah
2: yeah because like if i'm gonna <laughs> tilt you i want to tilt you hard
3: oh man that's gonna be so <laughs> tilting because we all get so mad when we roll bad already and yeah. then you take damage on top of it however the counter to that is oh i rolled crappy or oh i didn't have one extra power to do something but i just took two now i have the power so you know maybe they come back at you harder for doing the two to them. Who knows? Yeah.
2: So so it's like kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like you have to, you actually have to factor that in. It's going to be really good, but you're also going to do damage and give them power. And if they still have another action with that character, they might be able to do something with that power if it doesn't daze them. So, but I, I will take any damage I can get out of turn all day. Yeah.
1: Now, see, I'm thinking about the other end of the tacticalness of it. Actually, because it is a, an elective power. Never mind. Because I was thinking, he's like, well, what if I want to build power with or damage with Hulk? And I send Hulk over there. It's like, but why would you ever?
2: Yeah. Right. Like. I, don't know. I mean, if you're it, like, you can't build power with Hulk anyway, unless you just whiff.
1: Yeah, and Hulk Hulk doesn't whiff.
2: He rarely whiffs. He's probably gonna hit you for one. Uh, now I'm rolling five defense dice into him, so I could block it and yeah. give him a couple extra power which turns on his strongest avenger. Um so like you could actually get thrown for doing it to Hulk.
1: Yeah, I I, I would not elect to uh use martial prowess on Hulk. But the <laughs> fact that it can cover up any deficiency you have with your defense is pretty good. Like Yeah,
2: I like it. I like it a yeah, lot.
0: Especially like, oh, no, for the characters no, that it's on right
2: now. It's, yeah. it's really good yeah
0: what do you think Suggy? i think it's a very very unique power and like we said earlier it only activates on defensive rolls within range two so there are points to using it and points to can't use it um it, it, it's a really neat mechanic that we will see how it works it seems Really, really potent on paper, but as we've seen multiple times, we've theory crafted a lot, and I mean a lot between our our group here. And what would you say? Six times out of ten, it's not nearly as good as we thought it was. Like we, we'll do like you know the average math. We'll be like you know on average this this should do X Y and Z, and then when we you know apply practical games to it, it's like oh it's not firing as frequently as we thought. Or it's it's a lot swingier than we thought. Like it's not it's not as um, reliable. Like it's either going to be a big hit or a big whiff. So I think we need to see it in action. But I like where it is right now in you know theory crafting land. Um, I just feel like we need to actually roll the dice and play it out to get a grasp on how functionally good it is versus what we think it's going to be. Oh, yeah, that's
3: fair. Yeah, we have done quite a bit of that where we think something's going to be amazing. And then like Valkyrie, I thought she was going to be amazing and I've never put her on the table.
0: Now, another
1: another thing to kind of keep in mind is that it's only within range two. So you can play around this pretty easily.
2: Sure. It, it works the same way as Widow's um, Stealth, right? Like there, there's a dead zone there and it's significantly larger with this ability than it is with Widow's Stealth. Like Widow's Stealth is inside range three outside range two like that's where you want to be this one is like outside of range two and you should be okay
1: yeah like Warner soldier doesn't care about this at all unless he's red furying.
0: there's there's a lot of attacks we're starting to see printed at range three so it's like i said it's an interesting ability but the practical application will have to actually see what's going on because like nebula has a range three Court, court, I mean, all of these characters we talked about today have a range three attack. So the moment you're like, oh, range three, you're like, uh, pr- pr- powers? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm super
2: looking forward to playing with it. I, that It's definitely best superpower I've seen coming in the last few um, that I'm most looking forward to actually playing with and getting on the table.
0: I, I suspect it is a anti-aggro uh, power. Because, you know, like Hulk and Thor are really kitted around being in your face and punching you super hard. And so Proxima is not going to be nearly as afraid as, say, a Killmonger, because she can run up, move long, use her pole vault, get in your face, deal some damage, and then you fight back and throw five dice at her. And she goes, uh, prowess. And you know, even if she doesn't block all the damage, she auto-blocks one. So like if you say you roll like four damage, okay, she rolls two blocks out of five. It's a fifty per it's a uh, what what is it? Three three and three and eight chance? Because you have like one block, one crit, and one wild, right? Three so you have a three and eight chance. So, you know, you roll five dice, one of them, in theory, if we're gonna if we're gonna do like generalized, you know, math hammer. We'll say on average, one of those rolls a block. So that's, you know, four damage is showing, three damage is coming through. Then she auto blocks one. So it's down to two. That's not that bad. If you roll two blocks and she has her invincibility, then, you know, you block three damage and she only takes one. So it turns these big, huge die rolls of like, oh, I rolled four or five damage. Well, one of those isn't coming through. You probably will block one, maybe two. And if you block all of it, well, then they just get punched in the face. It's it's just gravy. So, I mean, like, it's, I, I don't think it's, like, OP, but it's a nice means to get in, f- like, face-to-face with some of these big beaters. And, you know, you're, you're okay. You're not just going to get a vaporized for playing the game.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's better on Proxima than on Gamora. Uh, and mainly, I, I agree with that, yeah. And that's mainly because of her, um, her spear throw that lets her put herself within range one after the attack. Yeah, she's going to get real aggressive. So, like, I, I will do this all day with Proxima. All right, well, here's a question that we can all answer since Mike's not here. Um, <laughs> I don't
1: think that is who is referenced in this
3: question. Yeah, he's not
2: talking about Mike. Well, I mean, we're using Mike as a reference for the question, so everyone here <laughs> other than Mike... Needs to be answering this question, I guess. Um, All right, so Dizzard asks, on a scale of one to Mike, how venom are you? (laughs) Uh, 42. Two, I guess. A two. Chris is a two, because I've considered playing him,
3: but I haven't, so I can't be a one. (laughs) All right, yeah, Yeah, that's true. And I assume um, the scale goes from one to Mike, so that must be like a one to three. (laughs) (laughs)
2: we're giving mike full credit now that helps me adjust my scale thank you for that justin uh what is what is your level of venom
1: well i mean if that's the scale i would have to be a two i guess because i'm clearly not mike i mean no one's mike (laughs) but i'm not a one because I like Venom and I play with him. I think he's, he's, he's fun.
3: See, I haven't even played with him, and so I don't know if he's fun, yeah. but I've thought about playing but him. Should so we add one. Should we
1: have a three?
3: I think we should add a 1.5. Oh, <laughs>
1: Excellent. So you're 1.5. I'm 5. 2. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool.
0: Sookie, how about you? I said 42 and I stand by it. Whoa. You're, wait, you're 42, Mike, so you always play Venom? No, no. I, between one to Mike because my scale is not the same as yours. Oh, I'm 42. Now we agreed on the scale. So it's one to oh, three. Oh no, 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 no. I never agreed to your scale. I just <laughs> laughed at it. Okay.
2: Well, I'm going with Chris's scale. So that puts me at a negative <laughs> 83. yeah, That nice. sounds about right. <laughs> so the average is like negative
0: you? 40 something. Sure, <laughs> sure. I'm just uh, gonna make sure it's Todd not so,
3: Todd is so uh, not Mike. That he will refuse to even interact with Venom when he's playing. Like he just actively avoids him for the entire game, doesn't do damage to him, doesn't care. uh, He'll just walk away.
0: I I heard your mic says, "I'm
1: sorry, you can't re-roll those dice because of venom." He's like, "I choose not to uh, adhere to that that at all. I don't even care." (laughs) (laughs) What is
0: Bender saying that episode of Futurama? Is like, "I choose to ignore these words." Yeah, pretty
2: (laughs) much. (laughs) Like, what does that say? I don't even care so yeah i i just try to avoid him that's that's my epic play for venom <laughs>
1: quality tactic talk i like yep it. all yep. right well move so, on and,
2: all right so <laughs> Dizzard also had a second question for us do you think gamora slash nebula improves the guardians lineup dramatically or not so much and why
0: yeah i could see it being uh an improvement because we were we were talking about this i think in the last episode or within the last two but we were discussing about how uh, guardians has a severe lack of beaters right now they have a tank they have a shooter and a guy who runs around spreading out uh special the abilities the guy and, who
1: gets thrown in the rocket yeah
0: yeah yeah so we, we have we have like half the team we have the mid range and defensive options but we don't have the front line like punch him in the face get aggressive do something feisty and both Nebula and Gamora have not only the movement options to make your life tougher, but they have the point cost to just flood the board with a really spicy Guardians list. Like you can run, what what is that? It's uh, Gamora's four, Starlord's three, so that's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So if you run all five of the Guardians, just flat, you still have a point for the Power Stone, and I'm going to say this is probably a design choice so that way you have because like if you think about it other than like Drax that is like one of I mean and and I'm assuming Drax is probably three so you can slot out Nebula for Drax no power stone because that would be you know the, the first movie's main characters the main protagonist you know you have all of these you know guardians they do all these different things it's really cool So I feel comfortable saying that those two bring Guardians to not only a much more playable affiliation, but a very, very flexible affiliation, because now you can be like, okay, Star-Lord, Rocket, Nebula, Star-Lord, Groot, Gamora... Star-Lord X Y and Z because now now you have you know, you have two beaters you have a tank you have a shooter You have Star-Lord whatever Drax is I'm assuming. He's also a melee character Then you also can throw in other things, you know, you could have um, You know proxima if you want to go hyper aggro you can bring Thor to throw things you can bring MODOK for control like They they now once they have these two characters. They now have the range to become a threat I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna cry foul on that because Nebula is not a beater Nebula is annoying. Oh, boy. That is her purpose. (laughs) Like she is there to drive your opponent insane. Just annoy you so bad you want to kill her. Just get her off the board.
3: Yeah. When I think beater, I'm thinking of a a little tankier frontline presence.
1: Like Thor is a beater. Like she's not Thor. Gamora is a little more of a glass cannon beater, but she can deal some damage. Nebula is not that. She's, I'm hoping
2: Drax kind of fills that role.
1: I hope so, too. Or Ronan. Ronan could do that. Uh, I, I
2: think I Drax that. is going to be a four-pointer, personally. I, I, I think with Drax as a four-pointer, you'll be able to fill out a 17-point team with the original Guardians, and I think that's where this game is designed, more or less, to play, and everything else is kind of filler around it and gives you like flexibility and choices. But I think 17 is probably the average point base that you want to see games on and that's where the majority of the design space is spent at least as it stands right now, right?
1: Well, so Guardians has a big list because they've got the characters we've seen so far, Drax, Ronan, and Angela, which we have no idea about beyond but
3: that character will never see light
1: uh, it's entirely possible that that character will never see the light of day But she's already made it into two lists She's <laughs>
2: going to see the light of day because she's made it into two lists That's exactly yeah. right and she's probably three points, so she would give you a full Guardians lineup at twenty if Drax is four points.
1: Well, we don't know what Ronan is. Ronan could be three or four points.
2: I'm pretty sure Ronan's going to be four too. Like I feel like Ronan and Drax are both four pointers. Drax, like Ronan's a, a five. heavy body beater.
0: Five? You think he's a five? No way. I think I think he's a five because if you if they're basing the power off of the because they seem to hybridize the MCU and the comics. Uh, Ronan is a heavy hitter. Like he's, I mean, like they needed the Power Stone to deal with him. He the just, eight,
2: he should, he should absolutely be like that, I feel that like character.
0: That character in the comics like withstands everything. And if he's less than four points, I'm gonna be like, why? Like he's, he's a. Now I, I know they've stated the threat level shouldn't be an indication of their power, but it's really hard to agree with that when for the most part a lot of these characters are pretty parallel in threat level to their physical powers within the film and comic franchise cuz like you're never going to see like a 2 point um, Thanos that'd be insane you're going to see like probably like a 10 point Thanos like he's just going to show up and be like hey i am thanos i'm inevitable deal with it so i would assume I'm i would going to
2: Baby Thanos at 2. I was to say, Thanos <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> I want to see
2: be, Baby baby group. gauntlet. No, 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 Baby he
1: group. He's using the gauntlet Thanos, where he's just like sitting there. <laughs> One <just> point. <laughs> he just <does laughs> instant yeah, dies. Nice. I did it. I didn't. Like he, the only thing he can do is like,
0: his, he has to move closest his, his movement has to be to the closest objective and he has to sit there the whole game
1: yeah just sits there ah, my job is done takes <laughs> his helmet off and just gets decapitated by four which is probably what would happen against Todd
2: <laughs> poor little emo Thanos <laughs>
3: <laughs> throw old old sad fire Thanos at, at Modok or something.
0: But but yeah, I, I sincerely think Ronan is going to be a five drop. Like he's probably going to be this really heavy, gross, just like nutty character that you're like, ugh,
2: gross. I hope so. Like I, I I'll be honest, my biggest fear is they keep dropping all these two point characters, and we're going to end up with like eight activations at twenty points, and like that's where we're all going to end up playing because we're going to want to go wide and try and spread out and, Overwhelm people with extra activations after they're done. Yeah, that, I'm that makes make me happy.
0: That's if could my playstyle.
2: Stop with two pointers, and I'd be happy right now. do
0: absolutely could. either
3: is like a whole bunch of five-point Thors coming out because those are <laughs> like game-breaking every time they come out. <laughs> like Modok was a problem, then Thor was a problem, and then what's the next one? Ronan's so boring.
1: I mean, like Thanos—is he going to be five or is he going to be six? Is he he should be four? six.
2: I feel like he should be the. I feel like Thanos should be the six-point version. Of Hulk, right? No, he's like, got
0: to be like an eight pointer. He's, he's stronger disagree. than Hulk. If he, if he comes with a gauntlet, he's got to be like eight to ten points. No, well, that's gauntlet. a different
2: character, though. We're not talking sure. about Thanos with the gauntlet. We're talking about Thanos in the game. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And like Thanos with the Seven. gauntlet and. and like Hulk the invisible Thanos,
1: Thanos copter.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Thanos, <laughs> not the. It's like punching it's like <laughs> with War. the battle van no, 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 versus yeah, the
0: <laughs> <laughs> the grimace <laughs> version of Thanos, yeah, pre
1: Disney, the 70s Thanos. He's he's a different dude back then. He was, it was, it was some oh
2: boy, Thanos, it was Thanos with, his, with his double sword. That'd be oh boy, awesome. but uh, no, I mean, I think I think I, I don't think that uh, a baseline Thanos is going to be overly broken. I feel like we've seen like. If he's seven points, I'd be surprised. I feel like six is going to be the cap that they're going to put on character. From they're going to they're in the game.
1: have to because two through six is a pretty limiting window of design space. I feel like they're going to have to go to seven at some
2: point. I, I agree. I agree. But I think I think for year one in the game, he's probably going to be underpowered at six and then you build him with the power stones, right? I guess that, that is
1: true. Like like a uh, quote-unquote naked Thanos would be five, and then one power stone would give him six. Yes. And the second stone would yep. give him
2: – that, That's kind of the space that I see him in in this evolution. And, and, and I might be wrong. Like we could get him. He could be eight points, and then you put all the stones on him with the glove, and he's a 15-point character oh, you can run of.
1: You can have him have like abilities and powers that like get better the more stones he has. Yep, yeah,
2: Like there, there's some oh, it's
1: such a cool space to design in.
2: Yeah, like like it, this this game has a lot of flexibility in what they can do with it, right? And then you got ultimate encounter Thanos. Like who knows what Valute's oh, gonna do. He's gonna be busted. But I mean, like, I, I feel like he should start out baseline as a six-point character. That, that I that's say five fun.
1: five five points. One stone gives him six points, and he's roughly Hulk power level there.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Like we'll totally see. Like we turn this whole conversation about Gamora and Nebula into Thanos
1: <laughs> and how cool Thanos is going to be, which is fine. I like that. Because, yeah. So,
2: so Desert, we don't care about your question.
1: <laughs> we answered it.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. Uh, some random dude named Jimmy Dehan. Who's that you know, guy? I,
1: I asked this before I got called up to the big show, so I. I mean, well, I'll just ask it to you guys now. Um, is it time to talk about a possible nerf or rata for BDT? Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I Chris says so. I am in that boat too, but I want to hear like like the, the granddaddy of BDT, what he has to say about it.
2: So I, I think the BDT list is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, of course hold 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 like i'll clarify i think the bdt list itself is fine the problem is not the characters the problem is the tactic card uh gamma launch is a card that as this game goes on is going to need to have a look at uh because gamma launch the fact that you can do it outside of hulk's activation gives you too much flexibility with that card based on the amount of movement you gain from it so if that card stated that it had to be done during hulk's Mm -hmm. activation or it required an action from Hulk to do that card is nowhere near as powerful and nor are those lists. Now you have a chance to respond to. them. Yeah. We found that out yesterday,
3: actually when we were trying um, some jank um, involving Hulk and rocket boots, which we'll talk about at some point, but that felt much more fair because Hulk had to use it as part of his activation. Right. And then he was standing there next to the character he was moving with. Right. So that, the fact that we, we decided ultimately that launch was the better play because you could do it at a turn and then you could do other stuff with Hulk in the meantime.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I think Gamma Launch has been a key card in any of these lists at the lower point totals. Um, and, and that's that's something completely separate. Like, if when, when I look at the game design space for this, um, the only questionable decision I see, higher point total objectives, um, like higher victory point scoring objectives at lower point scoring uh, or or lower roster point lists, right? Both of your 15-point roster building lists have the highest scoring victory points per round in the game. Um, So if you can find a way to combine an abusive technique on a lower score or lower roster point objective, scoring higher points each turn, you're going to have a win. Um, and, and, And I think that's... If I was going to complain about anything that AMG has done with it, it would be that. Um, because it competitively, it allows you to build for lower point total games, knowing that you're going to have a higher chance to score points in those games than your opponent, right? Um, when If they try and build wide and for a 20-point list, those games are only going to score, what, maybe two, maybe three points at best across the board. That feels real bad, especially when you're talking about how much that's going to slow the game down anyway compared to the number of activations. Those games at 20 points and 19 points feel like a grind because of how slow victory points actually accumulate. And as it stands right now, the 15-point objectives – benefit players who are playing to the strength of a smaller squad. Well, and I think it's interesting to note that the two
3: 15-point objectives are the only two that have been specifically targeted with strategies to break them.
2: Yes, yeah. And and, and there's been... They're highly exploitable. Yeah, the 15-point the, the objectives, because they are the highest point scoring and on the most limited field of play, are the most exploitable just from the get-go. Just based on the premise that you have less character points to work with and more victory points to score. So if you have a strategy that can actually accommodate the objective, you are in a better chance to score points and take a victory from turn one than your opponent does. Um, to answer the original question as well, um, I think they might need to uh,
3: – I know you said you think the characters are fine, but I think it wasn't a mistake that they made every character's throw only usable once per turn, but that they printed Thor, who can throw three times per turn, Remember. and look when – it broken. Well, um, I, mean, so, I mean, I think limiting throws to once per turn or something like that because, I mean, what you did to Mike yesterday was abuse. <laughs> 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 I, don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. What did I do to Mike? You threw Hulk into MODOK twice and then threw a truck at MODOK.
1: Days oh. <laughs>
2: MODOK in one turn. <laughs> I, I didn't... Here, here's the best thing. I threw Hulk into MODOK twice and threw a size 4 truck into M.O.D.O.K. I never attacked M.O.D.O.K. and dazed him. Yeah, you only attacked... And, all- and-, and
3: one of your attacks only got one hit, but it was a wild. <laughs> <laughs> you only did like four actual physical damage from the attacks, which is like
2: eight from no, the throw. No, I did a solid 10 to M.O.D.O.K. to daze him, but only four to my target.
1: So you only gave... Hulk one extra damage die on
3: his yes, attack. Yeah,
2: exactly. But he right.
1: Daze Modok, but he didn't which essentially damage. renders him useless. Yeah oh, yeah. oh, and Mike
3: braced one of them, so it was two throws for two. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I threw I threw 15 points of damage at MODOK without actually attacking. So what
1: you're saying is BDM is not the counter to well, BDT? Is that the...
3: Rocket boost, which puts Hulk right next to throw uh, MODOK, which is like <laughs> handing Thor a rocket launcher. It's so <laughs> like, okay, I'm moving MODOK here, but I'm going to give you this rocket launcher. Don't <laughs> do anything with it. And Thor's <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I got a rocket launcher. I can't want to shoot it. <laughs> Spanish <laughs> three times so. um so yeah I, I think that it's it's interesting that all characters including the characters they gave a free throw to in the hulk ultimate encounter can only use it once per turn but <laughs> somehow it's okay for hulk to, or thor to be able to throw three times around
2: um uh, so i i don't know something needs to change there You know what? I hope Beta Ray is a three-cost that can only throw size three three times. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Like, Beta Ray Bill, just knock him down a point, give him size three. We'll do it all the same. Or put a size restriction on his wild throw, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean – all right, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Thor's, Thor's base attack's kind of gross. You think? <laughs> I don't even think I've seen you use his other attacks. I, I have once. <laughs> <laughs> and he played, like,
3: 25, 30 games of BDT, and you have used his other attacks once?
2: Yeah, like, yeah, probably. Uh, well, I mean, why would you? Like, honestly, why would you? I would rather take the, the one out of six die roll chances to hit, a, to hit the wild to throw than... Uh, I'm going to roll five dice and shock you. That, that, no, I'm going to pay one that. for that. That's how crazy that no, is. you
1: do is. that because it's range. Because he has a range five attack. It's why, stupid. Why am
2: I ever at range? I'm going to gamma launch him. <laughs>
1: I think the idea is the other characters you don't immediately daze sprint <laughs> as far away as possible from
3: him. Those of us that have played Thor in lists that don't involve Hulk, which is not Todd, have used uh, the hammer throw because it's a five range for one. Range so, okay, I, feel for one.
1: Weird, I feel a little weird answering my own question, but I 100,000% agree with Todd. If you just ban or ch- actually just change gamma launch, so you have to do it on Hulk's activation and
2: yeah. that
3: changes that will
2: will solve a lot like like so now all of a sudden modok into that list horrible because now you're like all right cool gamma launch i'm gonna gamma launch thor right well cool modok's gonna go and modok's gonna say cool move back and then i'm gonna do something else and i'm gonna get a chance to actually attack you twice maybe if you gamma launch him and i might even daze him because that's your weakest weakest defense And then now he wants to charge into MODOK? Like, that feels real bad. Because now his wilds are turned off. He doesn't have the ability to take advantage of that five-range launch and charge and just... Oh, boy! Oh, boy! Like, he can't do it. Um, But Thor, with that free five-range movement, is awful.
1: I'm just saying. It's warped the game enough that... 15 points is now, all right, Thor versus Thor let's go, let's do this. We've tried having like wide lists with like five, six characters and it's not enough. Yeah. It, it's... I mean, Thor loves those because it's like little squishies that he just stomps on when he jumps over there. Like,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he hits one for four damage, throws it, it takes one and collides said, with somebody else. And that you don't want to do
1: that because you can't use that four damage, four health character as a missile at that point. So yeah. it's ideal to hit him for three, throw them into someone to deal the fourth damage yeah. to Daze and then hit the other character for
2: yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the things, right? Like, like I, I've seen a lot of discussion. Like, there was actually a list that people were talking about, now that we've seen the spoilers, where there was a, what is it, a five or six character activation at 15 points with Gamora?
1: You can, with four two-cost characters now, you could definitely pull off. Uh...
2: So so at 15 now, this is a list you can pull off, and people have asked me if they think that this is a problem, and I think the list was Star-Lord, uh, Rocket, Okoye, um... Nebula, so that's six, nine. You have six points left. Groot and Winter Soldier, right? So that's a six-character activation. And if I thought that that would be problematic for BDT, and I'm going to tell you that I 100% think that it's not, especially if we're playing 15 points on Gamma Shelters. You can only spread so wide. And and if you want to know my turn sequence, this is what it's going to be. Pass, pass pass, move Hulk to the center point, move Hulk to the first point, Gamma launch. Oh,
0: boy. You mean you mean Cap?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Move Cap to the center point, move Hulk to the first point, then Gamma launch with Thor. Like, that's going to be my turn sequence. And I'm going to make you commit characters moving. Uh, and, and you know what I'm going to do in the next turn? The exact same thing, except I, might, I probably date somebody and mess somebody up, so I'm probably going to go pass, pass, actions um, depending on what it is uh, and depending on where Thor is at that point. I, I don't feel like that is as problematic because those characters are so much softer. Yeah. They can't afford to, to play wide on game of shelters because
3: they'll die to the damage. Yeah, You're,
2: yeah, you're going to take points. And, and what I'm going to do is actually, and also what you've done is every one of those characters is size two. And now you're turning on caps throw as well with his, with his, uh, his uh, two- slam. Yeah, with his shield slam. So now I've got three characters that are going to throw you around and slam you and do all kinds of stuff. And if I'm not dazing you, like if I roll my damage and I'm like, all right, cool, I got the wild. I can deal two damage and that guy's going to be at one. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw you out of range. So now that's become effectively a stagger or you actually have to move back into range to keep from dying before you can do something else. So there's there's a lot of plays in there that you have to be aware of. And and I don't necessarily have to throw you for damage into someone else if I'm throwing you out of position and making you waste actions. Because that's how I'll limit the interaction of a wide list is putting them out of position. But I'd love to play it. Dude, I'd love to play it right now. <laughs> uh, so, last question. Warga- uh, Wargaming Dad asks, how much terrain do do you think we should have on an average table?
0: I think this is a pretty simple question to answer. Uh, usually, you want 25 to 30% of your table to be full of terrain. And we talked about this uh, much, much earlier in our episodes. Probably in the first five, but... Uh, The easy way to determine if you have enough terrain is to just literally clump it all together in a corner of your board and Then like, you know, draw a quadrant. Is there 25% of that corner filled with terrain? Yes or no? Um, It's it's problematic with Characters that can throw so frequently. So the other thing we discussed was making some of that terrain uh, non-interactive so You can have some buildings and things that you just, you can't throw, you can't move. You can pretend, you know, maybe it's not a skyscraper building, but you can just say, hey, this is a skyscraper. Thor can't throw it. Uh, Because you don't want to litter the field with a bunch of throwable terrain that can be abused. But at the same point, you don't want your board to be so empty that you never actually bend your movement stick, and it's always a straight line. You want to actually have to maneuver around the table. So I think that's the simplest and fastest way to determine if you have enough terrain is just stick it in a corner, you know, how much percentage of the board is it eating up? You know, it's only like 10%. You probably want some more, like 50% is way too much. Like I said, 25 to 30% is probably a safe number. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I mean, what, what I do at the shop is I normally have boards when, when, when we're allowed to have tournaments and there's not a play going on, right? Um, what what I normally do is I have three to four pieces of non-interactable terrain. So like maybe three buildings on a three by three map that are size five or bigger. Right. Uh, and then we set up roughly about 18 points worth of interactable terrain. Um, so that, that's kind of the gauge that we've been using at the shop. Uh, The way we run our actual tournaments is pretty much the same way, right, Chris? Like two to three pieces of non-interactable, nine points worth of interactable terrain per character or per player, and then let's go
3: yeah that's it and the non-interactable terrain i think is the most critical part of that because that affects the game state you gotta take it into account it, it incentivizes bringing flyers and wall crawlers and all that kind of good stuff and, and just generally makes things more interesting provides a lot of cover that kind of stuff yeah and it can't be thrown at you which is nice when you play thor all oh, the boy. time
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy don't forget hulk I can throw stuff too, man.
3: Yeah, no, no. I mean, the non-interactable terrain. See, I look at the board as potential damage. Non-interactable terrain, one <laughs> damage to me. <laughs> like, cool. I can deal with one damage. That's fine. Let's put some more
2: buildings out here. <laughs> Let's put some light poles and buildings.
0: Yeah, and, and due to you guys having played so frequently with BDT and thrower, like characters that throw items, I feel like that's not a great perspective for the game I'm not saying it's wrong I'm just saying like I, I would hate to show up to a game and look at a board and be like okay that's like three damage on average that's two damage that's like five I have to like I feel like terrain is supposed to be terrain <laughs> not a mathematical equation where I have to be like okay I can't I, I need to stay away from that because that can kill me so I, I do hope and kind of backtracking to Jimmy's question I hope uh, AMG finds a balance where terrain is terrain with a splash of stuff that you can use for damage because like, I never felt that Crisis Protocol was uh, terrain the game, where you just <laughs> use terrain and other characters as weapons. Like, well, thematically, the tech- that How doesn't like make any play. sense to me. Or I'm sorry, me- mechanically, it doesn't make any sense to me where your battlefield is arguably a disadvantage based on the characters you bring. I don't think that's how a game is supposed to be developed or designed
2: well and, and that's like so that's the thing right so it depends on where you're coming at this from so if you're coming at this from competitive right Like i i come at this as a all right how can we bend it what what's the what's the stuff that we can break like let, let's not read into rules and martial prowess and that kind of stuff what are the actual core fundamental rules of the game that have room to maneuver around. And the biggest one in this game is throws and being able to throw terrain and throw characters because everything becomes a liability at that point when I can spend X amount of power and it becomes an automatic amount of X hits based on its size. Now I no longer have to roll damage. I am hitting you X times. Now you have to roll defense. And, and I think that out of everything in this game, that is the most exploitable concept in it is the fact that throws can be so detrimental to your opponent if you know how to maximize them.
0: And, and like I said, the game is supposed to be a skirmish strategy game, not a game where you just set yourself up for as many throws as humanly possible. So like having You're literally mechanic.
1: talking about Todd's favorite thing. I,
0: I know. I, dude, I love throws. <laughs> but but the, the point I'm trying to make is like the game as a whole should not fundamentally rely so heavily on a singular mechanic to deal maximum damage. It should be a hybridization of throwing, shooting, moving, maneuvering. It, it should be a, a wider scope and I think that is a problem that could turn off players once they realize, you know, in a competitive environment, uh, I don't need to attack you. I can just throw things at you and you're going to have a bad time. Well, that's that's the difference though,
2: right? So like you have to keep that in mind. If you're looking to play competitive, I, I, you, I feel like you should be factoring throws into your strategy. If you're looking to play and have a good time, like I'm totally happy to line up a random lineup and just like play and see how this thing works out. Uh, but if if we're playing competitive, I'm gonna do a lot this stuff. Um, so so there's a definite definitive line between um, casual and competitive in this game for me. Uh, throws are on the top of the flow chart when or close to the top of the flow chart
3: when you're thinking about lineups and competitive in my opinion. It's, it's just because it's in the game you gotta think about it.
2: Yeah and, and and like that that comes into your core strategy for placement and movement and everything. Am I within range of Hulk for him to throw this size three at me? Am I in, in range of my other character for him to bounce them off my head? How do I place myself to make sure that those throws are the least effective? Pretty much how I look at every game if I have a character that's lined up with throws. I actually like the fact that in a game that's so heavily relied on dice, there's a mechanic inside the game that allows you to maneuver around that. I, I do think that Thor is above the curve. Um,
1: Anything that can throw size four is above the curve. Yeah. Size <laughs> three, size two. Yeah, that sucks. But, you know, you can deal with it. But when you're talking about size four, like that's like, pretty sizable chunks of terrain out there that you're removing. Goodbye. All your cover. Goodbye. All your tactical setup. And yeah. also, oh, get, oh boy, you're taking five to the face.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go a step further. Any character that can sow, throw size three or higher characters and terrain are, are a pain in the, Oh life. boy. Um, cause I, I feel like two is fine. You throw cap into iron man, whatever. But when you start throwing venom into like rocket or groot into rocket or groot into cap, like those things start becoming real bad because that's 66% of your actual damage, like your health sides. You're, you're throwing greater than half of, of their value uh, of their available value into them and it's guaranteed. So threes and up are really where it gets bad. It's not even just the fours.
1: It's also frustrating because you've got Cap, who on his day side, he can do this all day. He's got blocks or um, blanks, except for when something gets thrown at him. So it's like, yeah, he's blocking all these bullets and this energy blast, and then Hulk just sits on him, and he dies.
2: (laughs) I don't know if he exactly sits on him, but yeah, he dies. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing. So it it depends on where you're coming at for this game. Um, For casual, I don't think it matters so much because I don't think you're looking, if you're playing casual, I don't think you're looking for optimal damage output. You're looking for fun, thematic stuff that's fun to play. Um, and, And I think at that point, like if you got a couple throws in there and everything as well. Like, you're having fun. You're interacting with the board. You're interacting with the characters. Uh, You can learn how to manipulate board state, throw people out of range for objective control and stuff like that. Like, that's what you're doing with your throws. But when you're looking at competitive, the ability to actually impact the board state, control their point total, and deal massive amounts of damage, throws are where you want to be. I remember
1: my first game... My buddy just gotten it, got his pieces painted up. And I was like, all right, let me give this a try. So he was playing like an Avengers list. I was like, well, I'll do Cabal. I like MODOK, the character. I like the character is fun to me. So I was like, I want to play MODOK. And I was frustrated because I couldn't target Black Widow. And I was like, man, this sucks. And then Nate was the guy. He's from the Gamers Guild. He was like, well, you know, you could pick up that car and throw it at her. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So yeah, look at his ability there. I was like... Oh, so yeah, I was hooked from the get go. It's like, oh, I could wreck her face from range, whatever, with my car. Yeah, I, uh, those are good. And I hate that they've become so good that that's what I base my lists around now.
2: Well, and exactly. I agree. Like, that's, that's a huge part for me. Like, when I'm, when I'm building a list, I'm like, how many throws do I have in this list? That, that, like how, that cheap, much.
1: how cheap how big how yeah how, yeah
2: and and that's and that's where like for the tts league when i'm when i'm building a uh, a roster for a game each week in tts i'm like how many throws do i have and what size can i throw and, and how is that going to impact the game plan because i'm i'm trying to maximize um for me tts is super fun right like i'm not trying to make it crazy competitive but at the same time like i'm trying to flex my brain and figure out what works both both best at all points and is the most effective for objective control. Um so for me the still the go-to crutch for me in any list that I'm looking at is number of throws and what I can throw. Uh cuz I want to maximize the ability to throw characters and terrain, not one or the other. Um so and it's so far, it's done pretty well. Um, it, it, but it is more. I, I do feel like if if you're basing your list on throws, um, it, is, it is a more competitive list. Like that's where you're leaning towards. And it is not fun for casuals because they're like, wait, you just hit me for three, you just hit me for four. I just got to roll. Like you do nothing else but pay two power, and it goes. Yep, that's wait, you've done that and still have two attacks where you and, can yeah. throw me on the attacks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's. I mean, and that's what it's designed to do. Like, so it it really depends on the format that you want to play in and how you approach the game. For me, for me personally, I don't think it's any less fun. I like the idea of sitting across from somebody else's Thor and being like, how can I minimize that guy? um and then
3: played against it you don't actually think it's fun because you've never been had your ass beat by it while you're trying to figure it out
2: so like i have actually played against it uh and I actually played against it in a tournament uh more than one time and i have beat it and i With beat it bear? without bdt so take that <laughs> next I question I hate you, and i'm leaving <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's an excellent segue for the end of the show So as everyone begins to head home safely, uh, we'd like to say thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you have a question you'd like to hear read on the air, check out our Discord channel. And, um, you know, if you have the time, we'd really appreciate people leaving a review on both Facebook and or your favorite podcast aggregate. So Google Play, Apple uh, iTunes all that good stuff because we'd love to let people know uh, what you guys think about it uh, What you like what you don't like how the show's doing and then we can use that uh, feedback to help grow the show Improve everything across the board and just have a lot of fun while we record these things So thank you very much for joining us. We'll see y'all next time and as always Excelsior!